0: Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millett and John Finer.
1: Happy Thursday, everybody. We are back with the midweek show here on the Al Chap podcast. Got a bit of a lighter show for you guys today, but as always, I'm here joined by my co-host and partner, Mr. John Fodder and producer Nick as well. John, how are we doing today?
2: Man, I'm doing well. What
1: about you, Kai? I'm doing just fine, trying to get through some of this schoolwork. We got midterms going on, so um, you know, a little bit overwhelmed, but still finding time for the podcast, so I can't complain. It's your job, Kai. You got to make time. They pay me very well here, guys.
2: (laughs) Absolutely.
1: But yeah, with that all being said, we'll get right into some of these uh, sports just around KSU athletics. Um, And we'll start with soccer, something we kind of gave up on uh, monitoring with the head coaching situation. But we finally have a new head coach. Um, Associate head coach Chris Cahill has been promoted as the third head coach in program history. Um, Cahill has only been in Kennesaw for one single year. Um, as the associate head coach but he's got plenty of experience in conference usa he spent 11 years at middle tennessee state previously um so glad to finally get that one out of the way uh, we had a feeling that they would promote internally but
2: now it's confirmed yeah ty what what took so long for an internal hire what do you think
1: i have no idea um i hope there was an interview process and you know we evaluated our options but i can't be sure i don't know how seriously the department takes soccer but.
0: I don't know. Maybe they were. Yeah, Nick. It seems like from the write up that they uh, issued today that there was a full interview process and that they they did go through a few different candidates, but decided that he was the best having been around the program, knowing the players and also having uh, CUSA experience experience, which I did not even know about from uh, Middle Tennessee.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I would agree. You know, with a sport like that, where I think uh, we're returning a lot of the roster, um, why not promote internally? I mean, there's clearly talent there. Um, We're in the state of Georgia. There's great youth soccer. Just get somebody who knows his way around. Like, I think it's better as, you know, I I didn't mind the Walton regime, but you went and got a guy who was out in Indiana who didn't really have the, uh, just the roots in the state. Um, So I'm optimistic about this one. But see how it turns out. But yeah, moving on. Men's tennis improved to four and two on the season, thanks to an impressive four to two road win over UNC Asheville. Next up will be Jacksonville State at home on Thursday, the day this podcast goes up. And then on the women's side, uh, they had a busy week with three matches in three days. The girls defeated Western Carolina six to one, fell to UNCA three to four, and then defeated Presbyterian six to one. Next up for them will also be Jacksonville State at home on March second. Um, then lacrosse, who is currently the torchbearer for all of athletics, improved to four and one with convincing wins over Gardner, Webb, and Longwood, uh, and they currently lead the nation in goals per game at exactly 20.0. Um, so I, I, if you're looking for an under the radar um, sport to watch around KSU, uh, there you go. Um, then moving on to golf, no men's golf this week, but the women's team competed at the Rio Verde Invitational. Uh, the Owls finished fourth, led by Bella Kill, who finished second amongst individuals with a score of 212. Um Huge week for track and field as both the men and women won the ASUN Indoor Championships, and Kale McDaniel was named ASUN Coach of the Year. If I were to list all of the event winners and podium finishers, this segment would take way too long, so if you're curious, um, all of the information is up on ksuowls.com. Um, but that's all I got. We finally got some wins in softball, so Nick, why don't you take us away?
0: Sounds good. Uh, KSU softball played six contests since we last talked. All of them were a part of the I 75 challenge that kicked off this past Friday. Um, Day one saw the Owls drop both legs of a doubleheader against uh, Ball State uh, by scores of nine to nothing and four to seven, or seven to four, excuse me. Um, Errors were namely the issue in game one, so we won't dwell on that too much. Um, and an early lead and timely hitting for the Cardinals in game two uh, helped them hold on to the lead there. Uh, game two featured a split uh, series or a, a doubleheader against the Army Black Knights. Excuse me. Uh, game one got off to a quick start. We had a 4-3 ball game going into the top of the third, which would be the Owls' first lead in 68 innings of play. Leah Janakis, the freshman pitcher, had an uh, early exit that made way for Lindsay Kite, who pitched three and two thirds uh, innings of strong softball until she ended up getting tagged for uh, back to back to back strong hits in the sixth. A double, a triple, and a home run that allowed three runs and gave the lead back to Army. And then that would be your final score of six to four. Uh, Game two saw the Owls bounce back, but the game still wasn't without frustrations. We loaded the bases in the bottom of the first inning with no outs and we scored nobody. We popped out to the shortstop, we lined out and we struck out. So need to get uh production going when you, when you get people on base, especially early in the game uh, and especially the way we're rolling out the lineup. So can't be, can't be going down like that. Four, five, six. Um, Owls would end up winning the game three to two, but the two, two of the three runs that we scored, were unearned on an error that should have been an inning ending double play so i was kind of skeptical about that win heading into day 3 but uh my emotions quickly shifted we had a split doubleheader against robert morris and uncg uh game 1 against the robert morris colonials saw us winning 8 to nothing all 8 of those runs were scored in the first inning of the game and the game ended via mercy rule after the top of the 5th inning concluded uh, the big first inning uh, was fueled by big hits by Caroline Shumako, a two-run uh, single, and Madison Miller, a three-run triple. Both of those hits coming with two outs in the inning. We love a good two-out rally. Um, the freshman Emma Friedel pitched one a one-hit shutout in the game, which was a big bounce back for her from the Ball State game earlier on Friday. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, the second game featured a three-nothing loss to a well-rounded UNCG squad, but that game went to extra innings at zero to zero. Of obviously, because we didn't score anything. But the despite the loss, we had some phenomenal defense in the field from Caroline Shemeko, who made some really nice plays over at third base, and Lindsay Kite pitched unbelievably uh, into the sixth inning. She had a no-hitter going up until that point. Um, she unfortunately uh, lost it along the way. And uh, unfortunately for the Owls, we were no hit ourselves uh, by UNCG's pitcher Spell, who actually pitched all eight innings of the game and issued no walks. She lost her perfect game on a hit-by-pitch in the sixth inning on a 3-2 count. So it could have been a walk. You never know. History could have been different. Uh, The only downside to this uh, eight-inning uh, no hitter shutout against the Owls um, was that this pitcher who came into the game had a five plus ERA coming into it. So I'm trying to take away positives knowing that UNCG themselves are a good team. So we'll see how we bounce back. Um, some positives from the weekend uh, and something to just kind of note, Ava Gazowski has been filling in nicely at shortstop in Ty Hardeman's absence, who uh, she's, I believe she's currently dealing with an injury of some kind and um, I love Gazowski at shortstop, and I really hope she sticks there. That way, Ty can go back to her natural position of second base. So maybe we see a little bit of the shift there uh, heading later into the season. Some better signs for the team this weekend, but definitely room for improvement just about everywhere. Uh, Consistency being the the biggest struggle at the moment. We're taking on Georgia State uh, at the time of this recording, uh, so we won't know the results yet. Georgia State's 5 and 11 coming into the game, and they have also played Robert Morris, Army, and Ball State. They beat Robert Morris twice, they beat Army once, and they lost to Ball State. Um, Later this weekend, we will take our talents to Orlando for the UCF tournament. We will face off against number 22 South Carolina on Friday, Bethune-Cookman in Princeton on Saturday, and we will close out the weekend against UCF on Sunday. That's all for softball. So I will swing it over to John to talk some
2: baseball. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Um, In baseball news, uh, as you probably already know, the Owls beat Clemson 18 to 1 on Friday night, the biggest home defeat for Clemson since 1936. Uh, We dropped the next two. If you want to hear more about that, be sure to listen to our Clemson series recap featuring Owls legend Josh Hatcher to hear more about that. Uh, on Tuesday night, KSU went on the road and beat Jacksonville State eight to two. Braden Edson moved up to number two in the lineup and had four hits. Veterans Isaac Bouton, Nick Hassan, and Zach Corbin had three hits apiece, while freshman shortstop Shamar McDuffie broke out of a season-long slump, adding two hits and three RBIs. Corbin also made a tremendous sliding catch uh, that you could have argued was robbed from uh, SportsCenter Top Ten. You can find it on my timeline at KSU Owl Howell. Um, on the mound, Eje Quinishet uh, got the start, going one inning, giving up two runs, both earned, unearned, but walked two. Uh, his control wasn't where it needed to be, still working his way back from injury. Freshman Bo Rudy came out of the pen, working five shutout innings, giving up two hits, zero walks, and striking out eight on 68 pitches. Rudy also struck out the side in the fifth inning. Another true freshman, Ryan Renfro, came out of the pen, throwing two shutout innings. Finally, Tanner Franklin pitched the ninth and was actually one strike away from pitching an immaculate inning. It was 0-2 count on the third hitter, but he threw a ball high, wasn't even close. He ended up getting three strikeouts on 10 pitches. I posted the entire inning online at KSU Owl Howl if you want to watch it in its uh, completion. Um, In some women's basketball news, uh, the Owls dropped both contests this past week to Jacksonville and North Florida. Uh, the two teams who were below us in the standings at the time. Jacksonville defeat was 70 to 59. Kiara Berry led KSU scorers with 13 points. The North Florida loss was uh, excruciating. It was in uh, double OT. At the end of the first overtime, UNF had the ball out of bounds underneath the Owls basket, maybe two seconds left or so. And somehow they got an open three within like yards, like right in the corner near the inbounder. Um, North Florida tied it up on that, and then they trounced us in the second overtime period to win 91-84. Carly Hooks scored 37 points against UNF and reached the 1,000-point bar. Princess Harden filled the stat sheet with 12-12-5 and five, with three blocks and two steals. Up next for the Owls is one-win Queens on the road, who we have already destroyed this year at home. Uh, we have clinched the conference tournament already. We kind of backed in there, but are going to be stuck in the play-in game regardless of where we finish, as we're outside of the top six. Barring any kind of weird three-way tiebreakers that I don't know, don't know about, I don't think we can finish seventh. Uh, we are most likely looking at an eight or nine seed, with eight being the most likely. Um, in order to get um, nine, you know, I think Jacksonville would have to probably beat Florida Gulf Coast. They'd have to beat Stetson. All those kind of things. Um, so the seven versus eight seed, if that became the case, would be much tougher for us than the nine versus 10 match it would be. However, if we get the, the nine of 10 matchup and we win that, that uh, playing game, we would be destroyed by undefeated Florida Gulf Coast the next day without any rest. So getting the eight seed in summary would give us a worse chance of winning the playing game, but a much better chance of moving farther out into the tournament, which is why beating Queens is absolutely a must uh, this weekend. Uh, There's still a logjam of teams in the ASUN to determine who will actually finish with the number two seed. Uh, Among the teams that I believe are still alive are Stetson and Lipscomb, who we have beaten this year. Also, Central Arkansas and I think Eastern Kentucky are also alive there as well, unless I'm forgetting somebody. So that's all I have on the women's basketball front. Queens beat because they were like 0-13 last I checked. I'm surprised they got a win. I'm guessing it's going to be Bellarmine or North Florida, something like that.
1: Probably. I know Bellarmine's had a tough year without uh, Gracie Merkel being in that lineup. Big
2: Gracie.
0: My favorite player in the conference outside of Gracie, of course. No. Um, uh, They beat, sorry, they beat North Florida 77 72
2: on the 22nd. And we lost to North Florida. So, you know, I guess we should, we probably shouldn't be looking at this one as a a walkover at this point compared to where we were earlier in the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if there was going to be, a road game that was like a must win or like a definitely should win besides Queens. It was going to be North Florida and we couldn't get that done. So mm-hmm. um, honestly, really, really disappointing road trip. Um, we had a chance to finish with a winning record and uh, maybe get a buy and that kind of fell apart. So a little bit disappointed uh, should have been better this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the stats weren't telling me that. I think I mentioned earlier in the year when when we were four and one, everybody's pretty excited. And I was kind of like, you know, guys, we need to calm down a little bit here. I'm, I'm just not I'm not seeing this. Well, um, it, it's not like it should have happened. It's just the way
1: it happened. It's like it was there, you know, so.
0: Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer both membership and daily fee play. Owl fans, be sure to mark your calendar. The Owls Collective has a golf tournament scheduled for Monday, June 10th at Dogwood Golf Club to raise money for KSU athletes. Go to owlscollective.com for more details. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw, so be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club an official sponsor of the Owl Chat podcast.
2: Kai, I know uh, you have uh, some men's basketball news before we get into the uh, preview of this weekend.
1: Yeah, um, so some exciting news. Uh, Former Owl, Spencer Rogers, who was a starter um, his first two seasons in Kennesaw and then started 17 of 35 games um, his senior season, including the uh, March Madness game against Xavier has signed with the Dallas Maverick affiliate Texas Legends of the NBA G League. Um, he made his debut on Tuesday, playing 10 minutes while shooting 0 for 1 from the field and grabbing a rebound in a blowout win. Um, so great news for uh, for Spencer. I believe he's the first G League slash D Leaguer um, out of KSU since Mark Heath Cummings. Um, I think there was somebody else who got some summer league run uh, that you mentioned on Twitter, John. But um, Yes,
2: Kendrick Ray. Former yeah, but, Owl played under uh, Jimmy Lalithan and uh, Al Skinner. But, yeah, a rare uh, rare American Pro League crack for a uh,
1: former Owl. So, um, cool stuff there. But moving on to um, the game this weekend, we get Queens on Friday night. We played them, you know, first game of the conference season this year. Um, and they've more or less lived up to the expectations Um, that they had this year they're currently six and nine in conference Uh, we know they're going to be well coached we know they're going to play small ball we know that um, AJ McKee can score he's still leading them with 18 points per game Um, what jumps out to me is their home record on the road they've only won one game all year but at home they're 10 and 3 so even though they play in a small venue um, and struggle to fill it up at times uh, it is clearly a tough place to go and get a win So nothing easy. It's a big one for us. If we win, we know that we will finish either seventh or eighth. I think there is a couple of weird scenarios out there where we somehow, by um, just matter of like three four-way tiebreakers, jump UNA and get the sixth spot, but Uh, It's all really confusing and very unlikely to happen. So what we should basically assume is if we win this one, we finish either seventh or eighth. And whether we finish seventh or eighth does not matter because we play the seventh seed or the eighth seed at a neutral site before getting, um, it looks like Stetson. So if we lose, there are a few nightmare scenarios in which we fall out of the conference tournament. We don't have tiebreakers against Central Arkansas or Bellarmine um, who both have one loss on us currently. Um, And then we do have the tiebreaker on Jacksonville and FGCU. So a lot can still happen. Bottom line is we win. We're in. um, And that's all we should be worried about.
2: Yeah. And if you're a real sicko, um, you know, check out uh, Nick Lawrenson who writes for mid-major madness. Uh, He actually made like a spreadsheet, like an Excel sheet with every like over a thousand possibilities of this weekend's, you know, results um determining like okay if these things happen then Kennesaw State finishes here this team finishes there and it was just it was just overwhelming but if you're an absolute sicko go ahead and check it out you might enjoy it
1: yeah no um really don't want to be waiting for a Bellarmine or a Central Arkansas loss um last week of the season and have to scoreboard watch so um let's just take care of business and uh get a win
2: Yeah, absolutely. And there is a chance. There are games, I think, uh, on Wednesday night, right, Kai? Or last night, I should say, for those who are listening. Uh, I know Stetson and
1: uh, Jacksonville play tonight. And a Stetson win does not clinch us um a spot but it does put us ahead of jacksonville i'd have to look back and see if it eliminates jacksonville completely because they got one more game left i don't think it does but basically it clinches us at least the 11th spot and then that tiebreaker is done and settled with and we only need to worry about central arkansas and bellarmine for the loss so basically if jacksonville loses tonight um we just have to hope Bellarmine drops one of their last two. They're currently four and 10 or central Arkansas drops their home game against UNA.
2: Um, but yeah. Yeah. I'm still feeling pretty good about our chances, you know, even if we somehow don't beat Queens, however, that's just chances to make the play in game. I don't feel good about our chances of actually winning it. If we don't beat Queens.
1: Yeah. Um, and then if we fall to the nine 10 spot and we got to play EKU off of short rest, um, I'm not too optimistic either if we get into that seven or eight spot and we're able to build some momentum hopefully that means that we win two games going into that game assuming we beat queens and we win the play-in game um there are worse situations we could be in that's all I'll say
2: yeah and I would love to play I would love to play Stetson again Kai as I mentioned on the basketball post game that would be you know, just a tremendous, you know, one of the Asun teams that's been with us, I think, since the beginning of, you know, the league would love to either beat them again or go out, you know, play in one of the OGs.
1: Yep. No, just having that sendoff would be great. And, you know, we, we blew him out earlier this year, so we know how to play him. And then outside of a, like two, four minute stretches in the last game, we were
2: right there with them at their spot. So exactly, um, but it's still a fight. It's not guaranteed. It's going to be Stetson by any means
1: right 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 and we're you know we would be an underdog regardless so um definitely But yeah, uh, moving on to some other news. Uh, Kennesaw State has opted into the NCAA 25 video game. Uh, The video game franchise returns for the first time since the 2013 to 2014 installment, for those who don't know, back before we had a football program. Um, So players who choose to opt in uh, from KSU uh, with their name and likeness in the game will receive $600. And with the current state of our NIL situation, I doubt we'll have many to any players opt out who are uh, given the chance um, so that's pretty cool. Um, we barely made the mark, which I think is something to note. You know, we don't know if there's going to be another game in the future, um, just because of the the kind of nature of this game franchise in the past. Um, but a school like Delaware, who joins FBS next year does not make the cut. So um, as far as just name recognition goes, this is a very good thing. We get our players some extra money. Um, so all positives.
0: It's a little interesting, too, that Delaware's not in it because I know they're still an FCS school. <clears throat> Excuse me, but they have confirmed that a few of the FCS schools are going to be in the game. I believe I saw some of those schools, uh, their Twitter accounts put out teasers that they were going to be featured in the game. So I'm not really sure how that worked out or how that how that came about, because I don't think all of the FCS schools are being featured or they they might not be featured immediately but my guess would be um
1: because in the previous games they would have like fcs default schools my guess would be like certain schools would have their names and logos featured but it wouldn't be the same immersive in-depth experience as some of the fbs schools um but i don't know we'll just have to wait to see but uh, i know there, there were delaware fans disappointed that they were not in the game so
0: Gotcha. And if you are keeping track of some of the things that are out there on the Twitter sphere regarding the game and uh, what KSU has sent in, um, I would suggest going on there, looking up Matt Brown. He does a lot of coverage on this kind of things. And he has uh, done public information requests to find out some of the things that KSU has submitted to EA Sports, like the uniforms and the different songs. So just a, for people who are curious, like you're going to see, uh, I believe the wing helmets become an option in the game. They sent those in. Scrappy should be featured. The war chant should be featured. Just just some cool things that, uh, that I've seen along the way that, that might be some interesting additions for owl fans.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious to see like what they do with the, like the bird's eye view shots. see if we get like some of the student apartments in the background and stuff, but it's going to be cool to listen to, you know, Chris Fowler call on a KSU game or something. So. Absolutely. um, Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a cool moment for the school. um, And I'm glad we made the cut, but moving on, we teased on conference talk a little bit. That's going to take up a lot of the rest of this episode. Um, In recent news, independent UMass, who was rumored as a candidate to become the 12th member of Conference USA has opted to return to their old conference, the Mac. Uh UMass is somewhat of a well-known brand, but has yet to finish with more than four wins since making the jump to FBS. Um, so that 12th team is still a mystery and that leads us pretty well into our topic Tuesday discussion. John, if you wanna take that away.
2: Yeah, uh, every Tuesday we pose a question to our uh, Twitter followers. Uh, this week's question was: Now that UMass joined the MAC, who would you like to be the twelfth member of Conference USA? Um, in the same tweet, we presented a poll with four options: Eastern Kentucky, who you know is obviously with us right now in the a Missouri State; Tarleton State; and other. EKU won with thirty-five point one percent. Missouri State finished second with thirty-three point one percent, and Tarleton State finished third with twenty-five point seven percent. Just six point one percent said others. We also had some replies from uh, our uh, our followers and our listeners, so we appreciate that. And I will read those off for you. And then at the end, uh, you know, I know Kai chimed in. I'm not going to read his take, but I'll uh, see what you guys think. Uh, Travis H. says, Missouri State sits in the top 75 media market and has the budget, facilities, and fan support. Only one other FBS school in the state. Uh, there's only one other FBS school in the state of Missouri, I guess. Uh, Chattanooga would be my dream pick. Easy travel for KSU, Jacksonville State, MTSU, and WKU, Western Kentucky. Fun city to visit, Travis says. Um, Travis also says, I need folks to sell me on Tarleton Tarleton State. What is the appeal? So let's stop there. Um, Kai, Nick, what is the appeal of Tarleton State?
1: So... I'll be honest, I don't really know, but everything I'm hearing is that their um, athletic department has just put a big emphasis on growing over the last couple of years. It feels like that school kind of came out of nowhere over the last decade, um, but I know they've got a decent basketball program. I think they have a pretty decent baseball program. I don't know a whole lot about their football team, um, but yeah, they kind of came out of nowhere, but it seems like they want to make the move,
0: um, which is a good sign. Yep. Everything is bigger in Texas. The dollar goes longer in Texas. They have invested so much money into their facilities and somehow they have an unbelievable donor base that has been talked about, at least um, in the circles that I have been talking about the the Tarleton with uh, different people about. Now, I think it's uh, I think they're definitely an interesting at it. It becomes a question of how well can you recruit? But obviously, if you have the facilities and the backing, it becomes a lot easier um, to, to kind of make that transition. Um, so they're definitely an interesting ad. I think it's just a question of, does, do the dollars start translating into success?
2: Good answer. Um, we'll continue on to our next listener. Georgia Southern guy says Chattanooga. It's a fun town to visit and fits nicely in the footprint. And there's one other person on this podcast that strongly prefers Chattanooga. So I will let him, uh, go on about that.
1: Yeah, um, this one has less reasoning to it, but uh, I like the idea of a built-in rivalry. They're an hour and 30 minutes up the road from Kennesaw. Easy drive, cool town. We've played them in the past and uh, several sports before. Um, it's it's more of a want than a, a rational decision, but also, like, if we can do it, so can they. Their facilities are fine. Um, they've had traditionally pretty good to great athletics. Um, so why not? Give me Chattanooga.
2: Kai, um, what do you think of Chattanooga's baseball facilities?
1: I I couldn't tell you.
2: Well, they don't have baseball as a program, so I was about um, to say, but I didn't want to. <laughs> I didn't want to sound sounding stupid, so I played it safe. There you go, smart move there. Um, there's another team in the uh, conference that I think doesn't have baseball. I want to say UTEP. Um, so they wouldn't be the only one. And Dallas Baptist is a baseball only member, I believe. So Dallas Baptist has uh, a basketball team. Do they? But not yeah. in, not at the D1 level, though. Uh,
1: I believe they do. They're really, really bad. I'd have to double check, but they're they're like bottom bottom 10 in Kenpom.
2: Uh, yeah. Um, and we'll have producer Nick will be looking this up for us while we read um, some of the other answers. Uh, Ryan, Liberty Flames fan says, and don't hate Ryan. We appreciate him contributing. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, I can understand wanting EKU for the sake of wanting to bring over old A-Sun rivalries but i feel like tarleton is a much better overall program if conference usa is truly looking to expand um carrick martin says east tennessee state i mean there are i mean that'll bring us some sort of rivalry right guys with football the
1: uh, thing is is etsu currently is towards the bottom uh of the socon in both basketball and football <laughs> so i don't know if their their um success level is quite there yet um uh, but just going back to Dallas Baptist, I'll clarify. They're D2. Um, they do play uh, a few D1 teams every year, I think. So that's where the
2: confusion comes in. But yeah, they're a D2 school. Uh, it looks like they compete at the D2 level at every sport with the exception of baseball, which is Division one. So we would not be playing them in other sports unless we played like a non-conference, you know, out of, you know, D1 game. So it's possible. Um, Ethan M says... Personally, Chattanooga first, uh, Missouri State and Tarleton State both have upsides. Kennesaw State 51 says, Tarleton is not even a state, so for that, give me Missouri State. Uh, I love that logic, and I couldn't agree more. Tarleton is not a state. How ridiculous to name a school with the state name if it's not actually a state. Just insane and incredulous. Just, I can't. Uh, Chaz D says, Fam, you because I heard their name was in the conversation even for a brief moment, and because I know it'll literally never happen. Uh, Silk the shocker says, and then we'll go. To, we'll go to producer Nick after uh, Silk the shocker. Uh, Silk the shocker says none of these schools are big brands. None would make sense from a business standpoint. UMass would have brought instant brand recognition and academic prowess. So I guess UMass. I guess Silk. I guess UMass would have. Uh, won all the spelling bees in the D one spelling bee, uh, sport. I mean, the, uh, the chess team, they had their moments in basketball with, you know,
1: John Calipari like 25 years ago. I think they've had, you know, a couple of good years since then it's a decent basketball program, but their, their football program's a mess. Al Skinner, baby. Yeah, there you go. They have a hockey program, I believe. So, you know, let's, uh, let's get a head start on the
2: conference USA hockey conference. Right. Yeah. I, I was relieved to hear that Conference USA was not bringing in UMass. I didn't want them. Um, you know, it's just number one, it's way too far north for me. Like, I don't want to go. I don't even want to go to Delaware, let alone UMass. Like, no Owls fans would want to go up there. You just know, if I'm going to gonna, hear about New Mexico. Right. Well, you know what? I'd rather drive like a cross-country trip, you know, to like a New Mexico or a Texas Uh, you know what I mean? Instead of going North and battling whatever icy conditions there might be and whatever BS tolls and bridges and all that crap that goes on in the Northeast. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad they chose the map.
1: The tolls are brutal. Um, probably a prettier drive up there. I mean, I think once you get to day two of driving through Texas, you get pretty bored, but uh, I agree with you. It seemed like UMass was kind of just like a, Hey, they're independent and conference USA is looking for a 12th member. You know, that, that makes sense. Um, but people need to remember that their football program has been just a disaster since they made that jump um, dog doo it, It's been really, really bad. Um, and that's kind of the case with all of those Northeastern programs. Like, I mean, they're down there with UConn as far as FBS
2: programs go. At first, I thought you were going to say those Northeastern programs like Northeastern, um, but then you're, thankfully you pivoted somewhere else on that. we to um, talk about hockey schools. Yeah, there you go. Or, and schools that we beat in basketball this year. Yeah. There, We'll see, bringing it back full circle here. So I know uh, Nick wanted to get in his two cents here. So uh, Nick, go ahead. I think Tarleton is the
0: is the answer, either them or Missouri State. I mean, for me, I, I, I lean towards a school that truly has the funding, and it seems like Tarleton has the support and the funding to, to make that transition. Um, so I know they're less established, but in that same light, so were we until we decided to make the jump up. So there's that. Um, But I think EKU, although they won the vote, I think they're more of the sneaky pick because you really have to see if the, um, if Western Kentucky leaves the CUSA, because that's what's going to dictate this at the end of the day. If WKU also ends up leaving for the Mac, then it opens up the possibility of Eastern Kentucky joining, because I believe the, the primary holdup with that is, the Western Kentucky administration. So I tweeted something about this last night too, because that from all indication, that's been the the primary holdup with Eastern Kentucky making the jump to the CUSA has been Western Kentucky. So if Western Kentucky leaves, I think Eastern Kentucky is the clear choice. I don't know. That's just me personally. Like they already have the fan base and the money and they've established themselves. So uh, I don't know. What do you guys think on that?
2: Yeah, that's what I've heard, too. Western Kentucky, you know, won't allow, um, you know, won't allow that to happen. So you're probably right. We're not going to see Eastern Kentucky unless Western Kentucky leaves. Personally, you know, I'm fine with Missouri State or Tarleton State. Um, I, I assume Missouri State would be a closer drive for us. Um, I did some research. Well, not really research. I did a quick Google. And there, uh, Tarleton State's in something called like, what, Stevensville or something like that, which is, I think, an hour and a half south of Dallas. So that is in a little bit of a I guess a different market because Texas is so big than Sam Houston and obviously UTEP is probably right by the border in El Paso. Yeah. I mean, the other the other thing to think about
0: too, and that's why I want to add schools that are further west, honestly, is if the conference decided to do scheduling based on an east-west kind of how the A Sun has done it recently and how other schools have done it without maybe doing it officially splitting it, it would keep JSU. Close with us because that was the issue with the Aeson was JSU got pushed over onto the west side because there were so many teams in Florida and on the east coast and we didn't even get to face them regularly. We we faced them once in basketball uh, the one the one year because we didn't even uh, because they were the, considered the other side of the conference, right? Yeah, excellent so point. I'm like I want to see that team as much as we possibly can. So keep adding schools that are west of here. <laughs>
1: I will say it would really, really suck to use uh, to lose Western Kentucky um, because that's at this point one of the most established programs in that conference. It's like them, Middle Tennessee. And you could you could argue like Liberty and New Mexico State. But, you know, they've been there, done that. They've been in the group of five for a minute. You know, they're a well-known name.
0: So and that's not me saying I want them to leave either. I'm just saying that's I think that's the clear answer. I think EKU is the clear answer if they do. But yeah, agreed.
1: Yeah. And I wouldn't hate having EKU in there either. Um, but like you said, Western won't let it happen. So um, good point about the the West versus East thing. My concern there is you still only have, what, three, four teams out in the West. So Jacksonville State could very well still end up kind of being roped into that that side of things. It's like, you know,
2: Alabama and Auburn being in the SEC West, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We, I mean, we don't need necessarily teams out West to accomplish Nick's point. We just need teams west of Jacksonville State, so yeah. Yeah. Mississippi would work just fine yeah. if we could find something in there, or even anything to the west of Jacksonville, Alabama. What about somewhere Southern like
0: Mississippi? Welcome back to the CUS.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah, they would. Northwestern the
0: State.
1: Oh yeah, they've been yeah. Uh, they've been on a quiet rise lately, haven't they?
2: They have. Yeah. Is that is that in Mississippi? Northwestern. State? It's in State Louisiana. Or- yeah. Oh, okay. So. I wouldn't want to go there. That's gross. But um, you know, I think if I have to, a, I have to. I think, I think they're would in an,
0: it would add an in-state for uh, LA Tech too.
2: Yeah. It's a good point. I yeah. forgot
0: about LA Tech. So we're, we're getting up there with the
1: teams
2: out West, but. And I guess that concludes everything on the OWL chat podcast. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us. Uh, you can listen to our uh, post game uh next post game show which is coming out tomorrow actually after the queens game uh, we're going to be recording it uh late night uh then we're going to be posting it probably early morning uh saturday morning uh it's going to be a quick turnaround we'll go over the brackets um as much as possible that we can and um we'll go over whatever matchup hopefully we have one that's coming up on monday so I'll, we'll catch you all later Thank you for listening to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow
0: our hosts on Twitter X at Kai Millette and at KSU Owl Howl. Make sure you're following our show account at Owl Chat Podcast and have notifications turned on so you're up to date on all new OCP episodes. Be sure to check out Kai's publication at bigowlblog.com and John's KSU message boards at ksuowlhowl.com slash forum. Until we return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, go OWL!